The Real Estate Sessions podcast is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising for real estate brilliantly simple. Promote your brands, promote your listings, learn more at adworks.com. That's A-D-W-E-R-X.com, adworks.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. We like having CEOs on the Real Estate Sessions. In fact, we really like having CEOs named Michelle on the podcast. In episode 29, we interviewed Michelle Corsmo, CEO of the American Land Title Association. But for episode 41, I am super happy to introduce the CEO of the Arizona Association of Realtors, Michelle Lind. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you so much, Bill. Thanks for having me. I wanted to uh, start off with a very simple first question. I had to ask D. Patrick Lewis the same thing when I met him for the first time. We've met before, but I've never had a chance to ask you what the K stands for in your official signature. Uh, D. Patrick and I do have that uh, in common. Uh, the K stands for Karen. Um, so my name is Karen Michelle, and um, but I've always gone by Michelle. Uh, my parents always called me Michelle. The, they said that they just couldn't come up with a middle name that they liked uh, to go <laughs> to go with Michelle. So uh, that's what the case stands so they, for. That's great. So they they wanted you to have two names, but they just kind of threw the Karen in the front, threw an initial on it, and you're good to go. That's right. I started awesome. using the K when I was in high school because otherwise people will call you Karen. Ah, because they'll see it. I get you. That makes sense. Good. All right. We got that mystery solved. Thank you. Uh, I'm not sure. Are you are you a native Arizona? Were you born and raised here? I am what I would consider a nearly native. Um, I uh, was originally born in Illinois. Okay. And did you move out here at a pretty young age? I did. My parents uh, moved out here when I was in second grade, which was uh, uh, quite a while ago. Um, with uh, I was the oldest of four kids, and uh, they moved from Southern Illinois here to Arizona, Phoenix, and we've been here since. So you've been here a while, and what part of the what part of Phoenix did you grow up in? I grew up in um, the West Valley, okay. um, and uh, originally went to uh, Alhambra High School, and then um, uh, went to Glendale Community College, and uh, to start out my education. Um, I love Phoenix um, and my entire family's still here and I don't think there's any better, better place to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you have the, the, some family and friends or family from Illinois that like to visit. There's nothing compared to here. I completely agree. This, this came up early on in my kind of discovery of that's, my, uh, that's all I know about a, a legalese. I just use that. <laughs> and and you're, this, you're in your second career and I think this is amazing that you started off your working life as a registered nurse. Is that right? That's correct. I was a registered nurse. Uh huh. So talk to me about that. Uh, what led you to that? And, um, you know, kind of give us that background on that part of your life. Sure. I, um, after I graduated from uh, high school and, and as most high school students trying to figure out um, what, uh, what they'd like to do with their life and um, I decided to go to nursing school, um, so I went to Glendale Community College and, and graduated from their nursing program. 
and uh, then uh, spent five years as a registered nurse. I worked about two and a half years um, in uh, labor and delivery, and uh, then about two and a half, three years uh, as a surgical nurse uh, at Phoenix Baptist Hospital. Well, which which uh, segment of your career did you like better? That's interesting. You know, I I I enjoyed both. Um, you know, I I think that. Um, uh, it, working labor and delivery was um, uh, was a really rewarding um, time uh, in my in my uh, nursing career. Um, of course, babies are cute, but uh, the, the the main satisfaction I got from working labor and delivery was um, uh, helping uh, women uh, during labor, which is sometimes um, uh, one of the most difficult times uh, and exciting times in their lives. So it was very satisfying. There's got to be some story somewhere that transitions you from nursing into deciding to become an attorney. That's um, that, those are two very different occupations. Yeah, they are in um, in some ways, but in uh, in other ways, uh, you, you're you're helping other people, uh, just helping them in a different way. Um, I uh, uh, got interested in um, the the legal profession. Uh, as a nurse, I was asked by an, an attorney to assist in um, uh, a wrongful death case that involved a, a woman who was uh, who died during childbirth, and so I started working with the attorney, going through the nurse's notes and and, and helping um, him with that, and really got interested in the profession. Uh, considered being a, a nurse consultant that would work for attorneys uh, and leaving the, the hospital. Um, atmosphere, uh, but as I kind of thought that through, I just decided that I would just go to law school and do it myself. So at this time, uh, while you were a nurse, did had you already started a family? Yes, I did. Um, I had uh, when I was uh, a nurse. I uh, during that time period, I'd already had my first son. So actually, I had my first son while I was in nursing school. Oh, okay, excellent. So then you, it's a that's a pretty big change. So you and your husband decide that you know. We're gonna, you're going to make this this career change, and you're going to have to head back to school for two years? Is it three? Well, I had to go back and get my undergraduate degree. I had an associate's degree in nursing, so I had to go back and get uh, my bachelor's degree. So that took uh, a little more than two additional years. Uh, so I got my uh, bachelor's degree, uh, ultimately majoring uh, in, in history, and then law school's three more years. And I'm I'm happy to report that according to your LinkedIn profile, you're a very proud Sun Devil, correct? I am a proud Sun Devil. Yes, uh, I graduated from ASU. Both my sons are uh, uh, ASU grads. Although I have to say that I do have um, some uh, 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 Wildcat friends and family who I love very much. All right, I'll leave that in the podcast. I promise. So the. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's my favorite part of, uh, you know, I relocated to Arizona from San Diego, but the Arizona U of A thing is awesome. I have I think it's so much fun. And uh, my son's a, a Sun Devil graduate. And so it's always a lot of fun when the U of A people kind of show up in their red and blue and we have conversations. Oh, they definitely, yes, they, they, they definitely do. Yeah. So when you were um, going to law school and I'll just you have to um, kind of forgive my ignorance here. Did, were you already thinking along the terms that you were going to work in real estate law, or is that something you discover along the way? Uh, yeah, when I went, when I started 
law school, no, I never considered uh, real estate law as a career. Um, I, I started back in law school really with the intention of uh, practicing in hospital law or medical malpractice. And once I graduated from law school, I started uh, my, my practice in medical malpractice law. And how long were you doing that? I uh, started at a, a larger law firm downtown, Jennings, Strauss & Salmon. I, in, uh, I did my internship and externships with uh, Jennings, Strauss & Salmon and was an associate there for about three years. Somewhere, though, as you're going through that process, and I know um, a young attorney, you put in tremendous hours. You're, you're trying to you know, get everything going. But somewhere in that path, you decide that you're going to make that switch to real estate law. So what was the trigger? What, what happened there? It was uh, probably as much happenstance as anything else. Um, I was uh, a little bit disenchanted with medical malpractice law. It wasn't exactly what I um, had envisioned. And um, I met a friend who uh, I had known through law school who told me that um, a law firm uh, downtown was a, a real estate law uh, firm was looking for an associate. Uh, that happened to be Chris Combs uh, and, uh, and Richard Mack. Uh, and so I thought, well, I will try that for a while. So I uh, joined their law firm uh, and uh, discovered that I loved real estate and I loved working with realtors. And so you're you're with them, and the talk about the a typical day in the life of a real estate attorney, uh, especially. I'm I'm guessing. Did you focus on residential stuff, or was it a little bit of both, commercial and residential? It was uh, a little bit of both. Uh, the the practice. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to do both uh, transactional work and um, and litigation as well. Okay. Uh, a little pellet work uh, thrown in there. But um, uh, the Arizona Association of Realtors was actually a client of the firm, and the firm was handling the legal hotline. So I got involved with uh, representing uh, the, uh, the the state association, the Arizona Association of Realtors, as well as some of the local associations, uh, along with my um, uh, individual clients. But, uh, how did you become legal counsel for AAR? What was the path there from the firm you're at to then being hired on by the association? Well, the firm I was at, um, I was with uh, uh, Chris Combs and Rick, uh, and Rick Mack for eight years, and um, uh, the state association was uh, a client of our firm, uh, and we did handle the legal hotline. As uh, through those uh, eight years, I became more and more the uh, primary attorney uh, dealing with the association matter. Uh, matters. Uh, I was uh, sitting on their forms committee uh, and handling a lot of the, uh, about half the, the time on the hotline. Uh, and at that time, the Arizona Association of Realtors didn't have general counsel. They had no in-house legal counsel. And at, at some point, uh, there was, I was spending so much time on association work that then CEO um, Ty Strout um, ask if I would be interested in uh, coming in-house to be general counsel for the association. So you you created that position basically. You're the first uh, first person to, to to have that, and I that must mean Scott's number two. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Don't tell Scott we said he was number two. <laughs> no, no, no one listens to this. It's okay. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's great. So. 
Um, you're then legal counsel at AAR. And is it possible ever that, you know, your litigation work when you were at the firm prior to coming to AAR, were you ever litigating against other realtors for mistakes they made? No, um, we, we really didn't okay. uh, at, the, uh, at the firm. Um, AAR was, again, uh, one of our clients. Um, we did handle the hotline. There were occasions uh, when cases would ultimately end up having um, a realtor uh, as an adverse party, but uh, we shied away from those cases, uh, uh, tried not to uh, get involved with litigating against realtors. Right, and that's, that's because of your relationship with AAR. So that that made it an easy kind of a easy answer to that question was, look, this is our primary customer or one of our customers, one of our clients. So we don't want to uh, kind of be involved in those sorts of situations because that does exactly. seem like that, that would be kind of difficult to manage. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, in representing the association, obviously, we represented the association as an entity. It's a corporation. So we didn't represent each one of its individual members. But litigating against a realtor member when you're representing the the entire association um, does obviously become problematic. And it was not something that we were interested uh, and certainly I was never interested in doing. Awesome. Good. So you took over leadership of AAR. The the uh, by the by the way, I've discovered this. I should have known this since I've been in Phoenix for so long. But it's the largest trade association in the state. You took over. That's right. Yeah, you took over in 2012, right? Correct. So you're now the CEO, and I think a question for for some of the lay people that listen to the podcast, or maybe other people around the country, what do you consider the primary function of AAR? And when I say you, I'm sure it's what the entire team there considers the primary function of AAR. Absolutely. The Association of Realtors, uh, the primary function is to uh, assist our members uh, be the uh, best prepared real estate practitioner with the highest standards and to protect private property rights. Um, and um, so we do that in a variety of ways through risk management, through business tools, um, through our advocacy efforts. Uh, we are really the only trade association that uh, is the voice for uh, uh, property owners in Arizona. I think that gets overlooked a little bit that uh, you're the the you're in front of the state legislature a lot, right? You have a department that's all they do is make sure that lawmakers are paying attention to what is important to not only realtors but to property owners, correct? That's yeah, that's absolutely right. We have uh, Nicola Slavic as our vice president of governmental affairs, and she heads up. Um, our, uh, our legislative efforts uh, along with the members who are involved in the legislative committee um, and it is her job to make sure that we're in front of the legislators, we, may, we establish relationships with them, we educate them on, um, uh, on real estate issues, uh, we uh, you know, address uh, all sorts of private property rights and home ownership issues. For example, last year Due to the association's effort, we saved um, Arizona homeowners over $20 million in property taxes um, when the budget came out, uh, uh, again, just because of our advocacy efforts. Wow, that's great. What, in your opinion, are some of the biggest challenges facing your members today? Well, you know, real estate, um, uh, you know, always has new challenges, and the challenges 
are uh, always evolving, whether it's uh, market challenges, regulatory challenges, legislative or legal challenges. Um, but the biggest challenge that I think members face today um, is um, maintaining their position as being the center of a real estate transaction uh, so that they can be there to, to guide and protect their clients through all aspects of, of, of what's most often the largest financial um, decision that uh, they will make and, of course, uh, the emotions of, uh, of choosing your home. Yeah, do you see some, we'll call them disruptors or outside forces trying to change that role for realtors? Is that part of the issue? Um, yeah, I think that that's a, a fair statement. Um, with the emergence of technology, um, I, I believe that, you know, there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of competition for uh, the eyes uh, of, uh, of the buying and selling public. I think what the value of a realtor brings to uh, the, the public is really being able to about to know what information is accurate, what information they need um, to make uh, that decision uh, on purchasing a home. Right. I'm going to take it back in time a few months, if you don't mind, and get your take <laughs> your take on the impact TRID had. We'll call it here locally rather than the industry, but. Uh, you know, is it much to do about nothing or is it we really don't know the answer yet about the uh, final result? Well, I think that it was a uh, uh, trade was was a major impact on the real estate industry as a whole. But I believe that the association uh, through Jim Sexton's uh, leadership was extremely proactive in um, in working with the, the lenders that you know, banking industry, lending industry, uh, title and escrow to uh, to collaborate on how we were going to handle that transition. Uh, we had our um, forms uh, revised and and ready when uh, when trid uh, went into effect, and did a lot of education with our members. That being said, uh, clearly it's an impact um, on lending uh, and escrow, and and they continue to work through. Um, uh, those changes. Yeah, I, I, I also offer my, uh, you know, congratulations, compliments to to what AAR and and uh, I think it was uh, AMLA uh, and also the ASCA, the uh, Escrow Association, did to come together and really create that training. I personally used that curriculum um, that that Barb had you know put together and taught that thing uh, nearly 90, I think 93 times <laughs> in the, in the wow. months, in the months leading up to uh, October 3rd. So, yeah, I agree. Well, I think that, yeah, I think that, and I think that's a good lesson uh, for, uh, for all three industries that uh, we are much stronger when we work together and collaborate uh, because obviously we're all dependent um, on each other. Right. That's absolutely. Now, I when I have, I've had probably, I think I've had four of your past presidents of the association on the podcast, and uh, and a couple future, <laughs> and um, and and I I always ask them about the importance um, of volunteer, right? And volunteerism, I should say, that it's just it's amazing what the what the association gets back from the members as, as you know in time and service. And I'd love for to hear it from you, from the, the CEO of the association. How important is it to you 
that all of these leadership roles are filled by these you know wonderful volunteers from within you know the uh, your members. The leadership, the, the members that do volunteer their time in leadership and in all our our committees and work groups are absolutely critical. They are what uh, the association is. Uh, the leaders uh, set the strategic plan. Uh, uh, make the decisions on uh, what what our priorities are going to be, what the members need from the association, uh, how best to deliver uh, and address those needs. Um, from an advocacy standpoint, uh, we have uh, the legislative committee spends untold hours reviewing bills and assisting our lobbyists in determining what position to take on bills. They are the the association, and they are absolutely critical. For me, it's always exciting to to talk to one of the the leaders in the state and just hear the passion in their voice about you know giving back that it's what we all should be doing. We all need to make sure that we're protecting not only uh, um, the industry but as as you mentioned earlier, the rights of homeowners. and so it's it's very fun to see that. It is, and you know, I, I think that um, uh, some members don't realize how much time that they commit to this. Just got back from um, Yuma, Arizona, with our president, Paula Servan. We went down there yesterday to the Yuma Association to their uh, Realtors uh, Political Action Committee major investor um, event to talk about um, uh, RAPAC and its importance. Uh, the day before, I was uh, up with, in Sedona with uh, President-elect Paula Bontoffer and Patrick Lewis. Uh, and actually, uh, our first vice president, Lori Dorkler, was also in Yuma. Uh, so they took time just in the last uh, 48 hours. You have all four of our line officers who have driven hours uh, to be at other local associations to promote the the uh, uh, the realtor's interest. That's great. I, I love to hear that. That's just amazing. Let's see. We're getting closer to the end here. Let me let me give you a, a question here. That you know you've been there 20 years now. When you uh, nearly 20 years. When you count your time as counsel and now as CEO, is there can if I it's a hard question to answer. But what's the biggest change you've seen in the in the in that nearly 20 years? Identifying the biggest changes um, uh, is difficult. Um, you know, when I uh, when I started practicing uh, in real estate, you know, we were changing from um, sub agency uh, to buyer's agency. I think that was a huge change. The biggest change, however, probably was it with the develop development with uh, of our contracts in 1993. Um, the uh, real estate purchase contract went from a, a two-page contract to an eight-page contract um, due to changes in the law with the increasing disclosure uh, obligations. So the 1993 contract was a pretty big change, followed by the 2005 contract, which was another big change uh, in, the, in, in the industry. So those are the things that immediately come to mind. More recently, obviously, the change in the market with short sales uh, was uh, was another big pivot point for our membership. Right, and and the association was heavily involved there. I know a lot of new forms came out, a lot of new direction came out, and that was a 
that was badly needed. <laughs> at Absolutely. That time. Unfortunately, was, that's true. Right. I was in a branch at the time running an escrow operation. So yeah, that was, well, let's just not talk about that. Um, but, <laughs> so, and now a little surprise for you, Michelle, and I apologize in advance for this, but one of your past presidents has put together some questions that I was tasked to ask. And so uh -oh. I'm just going to run through these with rapid fire. You know, you're just going to kind of, you can yes, no, or just give wonder responses, or you can expound if you'd like, but also, All right. First one is Michelle. Who is your favorite past president? <laughs> <laughs> I know who. I, um, I I know who asked that question. Well, wait. Don't answer yet. All right. So you're you're gonna pass. It sounds like I'm. Just, I'm gonna pass. I'm okay. Not. Good. Do or did you have fun on the forums work groups? Absolutely. I had a great time. All right. Good. Do you always valet park? <laughs> No, I do not. All right. Uh, your favorite Chardonnay? Uh, Russian River Valley. <laughs> uh, do people read your emails? Yes, they do. I, I, I always hope that they do. All right. Are you a President Circle Ray Pack investor? I am. Why should other realtors invest at that level? Because you get a chance to... Uh, vote twice and um, it's a it's it's critically important and I and I believe in it wholeheartedly excellent and finally the last question from your one of those past presidents was do you know who suggested a few of these questions I absolutely do <laughs> you gonna name that person you gonna call them out I will uh, my uh, immediate past president Mr. Jim Sexton. It's got to be him. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty good and at this. You, you, <laughs> your powers he, of destruction are brilliant. He went, he went from being uh, President Jim Sexton to uh, JJ, just Jim. Nice. I'll have to remember that. I don't remember hearing that. Just Jim. Good. Uh, he's also a past uh, podcast uh, interviewee, so you can go back and listen to his if you want and pick up a few. I will Maybe absolutely do that. Well, I always end, and I've had you here for just about a half an hour. I really appreciate your time. And I know, like you said, you just got, you're on the road heading today, coming back from Yuma. But I always ask this question to everyone. And, and even if you're not a realtor, I think you could, it's something you can answer. And that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent, what would it be? For a new agent, my uh, best advice would be uh, to realize that just passing uh, your exam and obtaining a, a real estate license is is not enough uh, to make sure and um, get all the education that you uh, can. Um, I would strongly recommend uh, the GRI program because uh, not only do you meet other people who are committed to the profession, but you get that higher level of knowledge. And in addition to education and the GRI, is to get a, a, a good experienced mentor to assist you um, in, in developing your skills and professionalism. That's great. And, and Michelle, I just want to take a moment here to uh, let you know how uh, impressed I am with the people that work for you at AAR. You have an amazing staff down there. So I, I hope you hear that um, more often uh, from other people, but I just wanted to make sure that I said that and let you know how much I appreciate what they do for, uh, for us in the industry. Thank you, Bill. Um, I obviously concur. Um, everything we do, whether it's uh, our, our, our association leadership 
or our staff, it's a team effort. Um, nobody does it alone, and I am very fortunate to have the the staff members that I that I have working with me. Well, Michelle, if someone wants to reach out to you directly, what's the easiest or the best way to do that? Uh, they can send me an email at michellelind at aaronline.com, or you can always call the association office at area code 602-248-7787. I'd be happy to hear from you. Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time today to join the Real Estate Sessions podcast crew. And uh, we really look forward to hopefully having you back on in the future as, as things keep developing. I'd love to have you back on. So hopefully that will work out for you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Bill. And as always, thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Really, without you, the podcast doesn't exist. We've had just incredible an incredible increase in listenership and and that only happens when you share the word about it, uh, whether socially or you know, in your conversations with other people in the industry. So thank you so much. Uh, if you are on iTunes and uh, accessing the podcast that way, I'd love for you to leave a review. And as always, we will be back next week with another guest. And in the meantime, please keep writing your own story. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about the Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.